You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums Hello, podcast. Hello, welcome to the latest the episode of, um, of Scottish, Scottish Football, Football Podcast. I'm John, and I've got another uh, special, the last one of 2020. I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Go Radio um, presenter and producer, and Sigmund TV presenter and fan, Ali Defoy. Ali, thank you for coming along. Thank you so much for having me, John. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm glad we finally got this sorted. We've been trying to get this for, for months, but I'm glad we're getting it before Christmas. It's good times. So um, you're obviously enjoying life at the moment with your n- new am. position. Yeah, I'm useless. It's all my fault. Um, but yeah, the, the football show has just sort of started at Go Radio, so there's so much to do. Um, there's, it's just... Sounds crazy, obviously, with the football the way it is and fans not being able to go there. But the fact that I'm able to go to quite a few matches at the moment is um, is really awesome. But it, it there's so much going on with press conferences and the show and with the presenting St. Mid and TV as well. So it's, it's all cool, but it's really, really good. It's nice. I've got a wee week off this week, so I need to try and start organising some Christmas presents. <laughs> Yeah, good good luck with that in the ten days before Christmas as we speak. Um so so the, I mean the, the go the go radio, um it's it's obviously something that just came in the last couple of months. Um the football show, um I've obviously called in a couple of times. Um so how did it come about that gig? So, gosh, that's really funny because a good few years ago, maybe two years ago, I was living in England and I decided uh, I'd lost both my grandparents actually within a month of each other and my brother had a baby so I became an auntie and I thought you know what I think it's time to move back to Scotland no idea what I was going to do and when I arrived here one of my friends said to me Ali like there's not sort of shopping tv down in uh, up in Scotland like there is in England why don't you try radio and I thought it's not something I've ever really thought of and he presents in a show in England um on heart um and he's like the breakfast presenter down there and he said look I'll put you in contact with some people who work in Scotland and maybe you can meet them just have a chat and see if that's something you want to do and I met uh, Gary Muircroft who is now my boss or one of my bosses at Go Radio and we chatted and he kind of put me on the path of radio and I, I ended up getting a, a job with DC Thompson in Dundee presenting Wave FM um went from well actually Central FM before then I can't miss out them because they were great to me they gave me my own football show on a Saturday goals and gossip which was great and then weeknight shows Monday to Friday late nights and which was just music and chat which was brilliant so my kind of starting ground was there and then I went to Wave FM and within a week ended up being the the new breakfast presenter which was brilliant and I worked there for a good wee while and then uh, Gary was telling me about this new venture he was starting and they wanted a football presenter and a producer for the the new football show and asked me if I'd be interested and met Paul Cooney who of course is on the show and uh, Tracy McMillan of course who uh, runs it and it was just wonderful it was great to meet them all and I thought yeah I need to be involved in this so I made it happen and yeah so that, that's that's how I'm there. Long story, but yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty much from your point of view the perfect mix because um, you get to um, be involved in, in with football, um, you know, broadcasting nation. It's uh, absolutely tremendous. So uh, there's obviously a lot of competition, um, you know, in the football market because obviously you've got Clay Super Scoreboard, you've got Sports Sound. Um, what score radios angle is um, to try and get most viewers to switch to them? I think what we want to do is just talk good football and be positive and include 
all of Scottish football as much as we can from grassroots all the way through to women's football uh, as well as championship premiership lower leagues as well of course with with Barry and Sai having their teams as well so we we just want to chat football uh, and have good good chat um and I, I I think there's there's loads of great shows out there and that's what makes it so good because you can dip into all of them and it's not a matter that you have to listen to one or the other or you can catch up on one in the podcast it's just making sure that there's great content out there from people who really believe in the game love the mm-hmm. game and people who have worked in the game and played in the game so there's a great mix it's quite diverse but we all really enjoy what we do so I think it's it's we we, we think refreshing and exciting but who knows <laughs> Yeah, well, obviously I've called in a couple of times, as you know, and um, it's yeah, you know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I, I'm glad I come across okay. Um, and but I think Rob, um, it was good that he um, referred my boy as all Callum of Sky Sports fame because we were in Sky Sports for Scotland's every game, so it's good about that. But you worked with some great personalities, Paul Kenny, Rob McLean, obviously, and then mm-hmm. Cy Ferry and Barry Ferguson. This is the, just the regulars we're talking here. Um, mm-hmm. You know that really sent a statement of intent to go. Really wanted to having the pun go places with them this show. <laughs> absolutely I mean there's so much great football content out there and why not get some of the, the greatest people who are in the moment but also have, have got a great history in football as well I mean Barry Ferguson Scotland captain uh, Rangers legend great start Cy Ferry open goals podcast is going massive obviously Peter Hayden is great as well um, and, and doing sort of assisting managing as well. So he's great. So I think it's it's exciting that they've made sure that they've got some great people involved and there's great guests every week as well. We've had some great guests in the studio, um, not as many obviously with COVID, but we've also had great, great guys on the phone um, and girls. It's been really cool, really cool. Yeah, it's a good diverse. And then from, from yourself, obviously we've rhymed off a, a lot of guys, but in terms of being the only female in that environment you know just how, how do you how do you make sure that um you stand out as well that you don't get pushed around i would imagine they're, they're good with you but at the same point um there's a lot of competition to be heard there oh no do you know what they're the experts i'm not i am just a presenter who is a fan and loves football so yeah okay i do the sports sort of journalism side of it as well but i just love to hear them talk so if I can start a conversation or ignite something or bring some facts to the table, that's what I really enjoy. And then being able to produce as well and do a bit of both, it, it's great. I, I think you never get bored, put it that way. But no, they, um, they're all really good with me and, and they know what I'm about. It's not as if I'm, I'm somebody who can, can be pushed to the side, if that makes sense, because they, they, well, at least I feel like they're interested in what I have to say. So they're always great with me that way. And Barry's um, a bit of a mentor with me at the moment, um, which is really nice because I'm getting to see from a footballer's point of view how he looks at the game, which is completely different from how a fan looks at it, which is really fun. Yeah, I can honestly say as an Aberdeen fan, I, I think Barry Ferguson's a good pundit. So, you know, I've got a lot. Um, I wouldn't say that to any Aberdeen fans. <laughs> Lewis Ferguson, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, do you know he was a, he was a good player for Scotland. Um, he was a good player with Rangers. You know, at the end of the day, he was a rival. Um, he was a player, but as a pundit, I think he is um, exceptional. Uh, I'm not just saying it because you're on here, but see when he was talking about um, you know the Boosgate scenario, he never he never hides and tries to blame other people. He, he's always been honest with himself about it and know that he messed up, and I think that's admirable. I think with Barry, he's one of the most um, sort of honest and 
straight up guys I've met when it comes to talking about what what's going on, what's going on. But he's he's just a great guy. All round, do anything for anybody. Just like Cy would. Um, they're, they're brilliant guys. As is Rob and Paul. Don't get me wrong, but I think obviously because Cy and and Rob are quite sort of in the limelight just now. They're probably the ones that most people talk about. Yeah, Rob. Rob is never off the TV or the radio these days. Um, <laughs> and, I know if you don't see him, you hear him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but in terms of um, aside, that was that was also a big one for you because he's obviously um, open goal fame. But it's it's not just the fact that he, he likes to ha- he likes to have a laugh, which is obviously key. But he puts across some really good points and, and sees the game as it is, and I think that's admirable as well. Yeah, they're just really honest. He's really honest. He says what he thinks. And at the same time, I mean, we're, we're all human. We've all got opinions, but it doesn't mean we're always right. And sometimes we get it wrong. And sometimes it's okay to say that at the same time. But they're, um, yeah, great fun, as you say, but also very fair, I think. Um, and especially, I guess, if you think about Barry from a Rangers and Celtic point of view, when he talks about Celtic, I think he comes across very fair because he, he just genuinely likes football and genuinely likes to talk about it. And if somebody's played well, they'll, he'll say it. He won't, he won't not say it because they play for Celtic and he used to be a Rangers player. It, it's not like that. So I think you get quite a balance, a really good balance uh, and a fair and true comments. Yeah, they, they, they don't hide their colours, but they're still honest at the same time. And I think that's all you can ask from a pundit, to be fair. Um, and, you know, but you're up for a, a good laugh and a bit of a boogie as well, as um, we saw with the famous video. I remember when um, you, said, you said that the show was on that night, the night after um, we beat Serbia, I tweeted to say, um, I'll be very disappointed if I don't get a dance video. And you obviously delivered and um, Rob McLean, um, dad dancing was just absolutely legendary. <laughs> I know, and he says he won't do it again. I'm so sad there's not a Christmas party this year. I would have loved to seen that. I would have got that so going. Yeah, definitely. But you've yes, got the boogie bus lined up um, for um, the Euros, um, which, and I was listening to the show last week with Leanne Crane. She says she's on board as well. I mean, this sounds as though it's going to be some laugh if, it, if you can pull it off. I'm not, I, I have no idea how we're going to get a, big, a bus big enough. Um, <laughs> everyone's involved. David Robbins in there. Chris, um, Chris, Chris Kerr. I don't know why that went out of my head. There, I was like, yeah. um, loads of people. Marvin Bartley. There's loads. I think everybody's on the boogie buses. It's, it's going to be. Did big. you mean Chris Burke? Chris Burke. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's because I was talking about some men players earlier today. That's why. Oh, don't tell him you'll kill me. Darren O'Dea. Uh, there's loads I should mention. There's look oh Craig's Stevie Cregan, there's there's loads of said Simon O'Donnell. Oh my gosh, right, I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. If I missed anyone, I'm sorry. I'm sure I'm sure um your employers will um, be fine with it when some this goes out. <laughs> no, just it's um, fine. I love them all. Every guest that's been on, they're brilliant. Yeah. Who's buying the carry out for the, the bus? Oh, I don't know. We've not talked about that. I don't drink, so it'll probably be me driving, to be fair. Okay. I have no idea. Maybe Barry will come with his organic wine, I'm sure. <laughs> don't, know si- that'll down, don't know if that'll go down quite all right with Sai, though. I might prefer something slightly different. <laughs> will Sai be in charge of the karaoke, I imagine? Rob, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Rob's mentioned a couple of times he's got a good voice. So I think whether he'll be in charge of it or just on it, I don't know. 
<laughs> hey, Rob could even be pinning the. You know, this is this is the second podcast I've done where we're getting um, hidden talents. You know, because you're, you're telling me Rob McLean's part of the karaoke, and Luke Shanley was telling I've me that you. I've never heard him sing. I've yeah. never heard him sing. He's, he's gonna. He told told us, so I don't yeah. know. I can't. I can't please any good, but he's he yeah. said. But Luke, Luke Shanley was telling me that um, Ian Crocker likes a bit of Les Miserables. So, you know, at one point I was when asked the question, who's, who should pen the song? I thought he was going to say him. Um, that, that would be something. Imagine Rob McLean and Ian Crocker penning the Euro 2020 song. That would be something. <laughs> I don't know what their writing skills are like. They'll definitely, <laughs> between the pair of them, have plenty of facts. So I'm sure, yeah. it'll, I'm sure it'll be all factually correct. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. Oh, I, I love a bit of a musical, but yeah, Liam is. Hopefully, it'll be a bit depressing for a, for a yeah. World Cup. Yeah, I wouldn't think. <laughs> well, listen, Lee Miz is probably better than our last um, finals anthem of Don't Come Home Too Soon, to be fair. So <laughs> I don't think it will take much to top that. <laughs> Anything that consigns that to the bin would be really good. But you must be looking forward to that trip. I mean, I know Go Radio probably don't have rights to get into Wembley, but just to be down there will just be special. Oh, gosh, I have no idea. And our heads were all going, so <laughs> we'll be at the door. Who knows? Yeah, you and 85,000 others trying to get into the stadium. <laughs> exactly. I've no idea. We haven't yeah. even, well, I've not thought that far ahead. Hopefully other people behind the scenes are. Yeah. Well, let's hope things are obviously changing because um, obviously the vaccine's coming in. Um, although London had a bit of bad news as we speak about the fact that they've went into their highest tier, so they, they're no longer getting fans in after the initial start with 2000. Um, but Hopefully, with the vaccine coming in, the numbers will start going down and more fans will start getting let in because that's a that's a big um, problem just now. And obviously, come the Euros, it's going to be massive in terms of England. Wembley's hosting the final and the two semi-finals, and then of course we've got our two Scotland games up here plus two other matches, which is going to be massive for the country. Not just from a football point of view, but it's got the potential to bring in so much income at a time where money's needing to come back into the economy. Most definitely, and and know what it's like at the moment being at a football match, and I know how fortunate I am. But when I was saying this, in fact, on another podcast yesterday, when you turn to cheer and because someone like two meters away with a mask on, and they're probably not even a Smithen fan, they're just another media person. It's it's just it's the weirdest feeling because obviously you've got all this joy and and happiness in you, and you just want to cheer which I do sometimes unfortunately you can sometimes hear me coming across in other people's commentary but um it's that moment where you want to celebrate where you want to hug with someone you want to jump up and down you want that moment to last for at least a good few minutes but you you just don't get that you you just sit on your seat and there's a little bit of a clap and then like you just watch the rest of the game and it's 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 so sad that St Mirren at the moment are doing so well and especially other teams, I mean Rangers are doing great, Celtic maybe they need their fans to give them that boost I don't know but there's there's so many teams out there it would make a massive difference if their fans were there and also for everyone's mental health to have that moment to go out and just cheer or scream or well obviously I don't agree with shouting abuse at people but just a lot of people, you know when you shout you you get your yeah. frustrations out or that some people that is their release at the weekend for mm-hmm. loads of people and I know it can completely change my Monday morning based on how we played on a Saturday. And that sounds ridiculous for anyone who's maybe not a football fan. But for me, if I if we have a great result, oh, my gosh, Monday morning is amazing. I'm buzzing all weekend. If we don't have a great result, which most often, 
often happens, then you're just like, all oh, right, next weekend will be better, it'll be fine. I'm, I'm down for Saturday night, like a little bit down during Saturday mm-hmm. night, but by the time Monday comes around, I'm fine. Yeah, I, th- I think that must be a weird thing, just the starting um, a new um, football show where you're talking to fans who cannot be at games unless mm-hmm. you're up in um, Inverness and uh, Dingwall just now. Now, I get obviously that public health is absolutely number one, you know, if everything's got to be safe. But given now that we've had eight separate test events between the one at Aberdeen and the separate Ross County and Inverness, and there was also one at Elgin, there's been no linked cases to COVID. So, um, you know, from that point of view, football is already proving that it can be done in a safe way. Why, you know, why can't the parameters be opened? Like tier one go up from 300 to 600 and then introduce 300 to tier two and see how these clubs go. Because, you know, apart from fans missing out, football clubs are missing out on a good bit of revenue as well. And for the lower ends, like Barry's team and and size teams um, respectively, that must be really difficult for them at this stage. For sure. As you say, their businesses, like the, that is a fact and um talking to the the chairman up at Aberdeen and and they were just saying that how can you go to a cinema where you don't have to get your temperature taken you don't have to have your there's no social distancing measures put in place necessarily it's not managed but you can do that and you can watch a film but you can't be out in the open air masses away from other people social distance measures massively in place all your temperature checks, all your other checks put into it within the sort of regime. They've got all these protocols that you have to adhere by, but that's not safe. And I just yeah. find that mad. I just, if there was some consistency, I'd maybe understand it, but it just doesn't seem logical to me. I just don't understand how you can't sit in the fresh air miles away from someone. The stands are big enough, but you could sit next to them in a restaurant. Like you could literally sit beside them in a restaurant and have a meal and then go your separate ways. I just don't get it. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing about the cinema is um, the View Cinema in Glasgow, which shut just now, but the one in Aberdeen, um, you can actually go and watch an English Premier League game in there. So you mm. can go and basically um, fund the richest league in the world. You can't go see your local junior side or um, anything like that. It's a bit, a bit frustrating. I mean, I get, as I said before, I get the government's in a difficult p- position, but as you say, there's too many inconsistencies. So hopefully things will change. And We'll give the Scottish Government some credit that they have given some funding to the lower leagues themselves, um, you know, for a grant to see them through and for the Scottish Premier League teams, interest-free loans. Um, but we need the fans back. Um, and especially with these Euros coming up, we need them back sooner rather than later. I think you're right. And I would hate to be in their position at this moment in making these decisions. And I, there's no way that it's easy. And obviously there's no quick fix. Otherwise, somebody would have come up with it. But I just think that with all of this going on and with all the protocols that they're making them put in place, where's the sort of end game? If you could just say you've put all these protocols in place, you've spent all this money, I think it was like 30 or 40,000 pounds Aberdeen have spent mm-hmm. putting these protocols in place and that there's no sort of end game. Like there's no, once you've done this, this can happen or one, now that you've spent all this money, we can do this. So I think it's just... It's a shame because you, you're you're thinking you're doing everything right by putting all the protocols in place, but then you still can't get anyone in. So it's it's like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I do not envy anyone who has to make the decision. But at the same time, I do find it a little bit um, inconsistent and 
if somebody could talk about it and there'd be more more answers, then that would be great. I think that would help a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Let's hope that January, February brings a little bit of light and that we can start mm-hmm. seeing the end of the tunnel um, and hopefully the vaccine, which has a 95% success rate in the thousands that they tested, will be similar to the 1 million that they're testing just now. So um, we'll, You know we'll more see. about that than me. I've just been reading this stuff, that's all. Um, <laughs> as bored as I am at times. On to your own career and how you've got to where you are now. So I understand it all started... Um, back from when you did a bit of work experience at Pace Youth Theatre, a local theatre to yourself, um, when you were 14? Yes. Gosh, you have done your research. Um, I was supposed to be going to, was it the was it the Scottish Youth Orchestra or the Royal Ballet or somewhere? But the roof fell in. Um, so randomly, my dad knew someone at Pace Youth Theatre um, and he said, look, you can maybe go, get in there for a week. Um, and I went in there and they were great and then I joined them as a, 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 I guess a member of PACE, is that what you would be? So I joined them for a little bit and did a couple of things with them and during my audition, this is really funny actually, I met a guy called Paolo and we both auditioned at the same time. I think we had to sing a song or something or do a reacting piece, I can't remember, maybe a bit of both and then he sang a song by O-Town called Liquid Dreams. Now, it's a really American song. He had really bleached blonde hair. And he, he sang it in, like, American accent. And I was like, oh, this is quite cool. Um, and then it turned out that we both got in. Um, and we didn't really know anyone. So we said, oh, we'll just, they had a summer ball. So we can go together because we didn't know anyone. So it turns out that's Paolo Natini. So he, cause when he came out as a singer, I thought, oh, it's, like, really American. When I heard him, I thought, that is nothing like your pace audition at all. Where did you come from? Um, but but yeah, very random story about how I joined pace. And then from there, one of my dear friends at, at primary school, Kristen McLaughlin, she went to the dance school of Scotland as a ballet dancer mm-hmm. um, and all, well, all types of dance. And she went there for high school instead of going to my school, which was Greif High. And after a couple of years, um, they had a after I think fourth year you could join as a musical theatre student at the dance school there if you got a government scholarship so I auditioned and I got in there and I got a scholarship which was amazing and that's possibly the best thing I've ever done in my life is go to Nightstreet Secondary with the, all the teachers there Graham Dickey um, who's the director there and Tree and Lynn and Gwyneth and Neil Shaw and anyone who knows any of those people will know their phenomenal talents um, so yeah, Jim Patterson, who um, directed Les Mis. No, I tell a lie, Phantom. <laughs> um, Phantom down in London. So he would come up and direct some of our shows that happened in Glasgow. But uh, but that was the best time of my life. Yeah, superb. And um, you, uh, through that, you obviously um, got to got to do a lot of touring. Um, I understand that you were Velma in West Side Story. Um, your web- website's good, by the way. <laughs> Um, so you, it's horrendous. I need to spend this week fixing it. That's something I was actually on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah, you've not put Go Radio on, so you need to update it for that. But um, yeah, you know, certainly. In about two years. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you've done. You did West Side Story, and um, also read that you did, you managed to do Rent and Carousel down in uh, London as well. And mm. you sang at a Christmas um, carol concert as well down there. What were you singing down there? Do you oh, recall? it's hilarious. So Roy Gregory, one of the teachers there who actually taught Madonna to sing for Evita while I was at the school, 
um, and a girl called Pixie Law. Actually, she's um, she's doing really well as a singer. So she was a couple of years below me. So she sang as well. And they got me to sing. I don't know why. I just sing Ding Dong Merrily on High. Hilarious. But it was in the Barbican. Um, is it the cathedral or is it a church it's called? But in the Barbican, um, it was a summer kind of Christmas, uh, winter Christmas concert, Christmas carol concert. And they asked me to sing with two other Scottish girls I went to Knightswood with up in Glasgow. We all went to Italia Conti in London, um, performing art school down there. And yeah, they got me to sing Ding Dong Merrily on High the highest part which I wouldn't even attempt to do now because that was like 15 years ago I don't even think I could try yeah we're talking about you know Rob McLean Ian Crocker doing the Euro 2020 song I think you're a, a better candidate you've got the you've got the singing experience oh yeah well I had a good teacher good teachers but, um but yeah my singing's I can carry a tune but I'm no singer <laughs> Uh, you sound unwell for yourself, and um, you were also the poster girl for the French festival as well. How did that come about? How did that come about? Um, that was through being at Knightswood, actually. I, the dance teacher there, Lynn Bustard, a phenomenal woman, um, she ended up getting me involved in a sort of Las Vegas show that travelled around, well, all the world, actually. Um, and I was performing in that, and she called me. I think they were looking for some of us just just to be in con costume for um, because it was Las Vegas theme for the Edinburgh Finch. So they wanted some Las Vegas showgirl dancers, which is what we we did in the show, along with sort of Mac the Knife and things. So yeah, I ended up just putting my costume on and bumbling to the top of the windiest hill in uh, Edinburgh and get my photo taken. It was Baltic as well. Buses were driving past with tourists, like what is she doing on the hill with a big feather thing on her head? madness in fact I think this is ridiculous you're gonna laugh at me but I've been cleaning out I only moved in my flat like five months ago but I've just started unpacking and somewhere is that photo (laughs) how funny that is hilarious oh that's tremendous I remember what one I am oh yeah I'm that one there I think there's a bigger one somewhere (laughs) inside but I won't bother wasting your time with that isn't that funny yeah, you'll need to put that in your Twitter. In amongst, amongst all my St Mirren stuff. <laughs> so you're looking for your St Mirren stuff and you come across the, your fringe picture. That, that's random. Yeah. That is so random. I'd forgotten all about that. And I thought, why <laughs> said that, actually? I, I the right moment for this to be my first um, podcast YouTube video. So thanks very much for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that wouldn't have sounded quite so good on just radio, would it? Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. You can't see yeah um so but if anyone is listening um go to the youtube as well and um you'll see the, a small snippet of the picture from the metro <laughs> um yes yeah. yeah, so, i mean what was your favorite time within those early years um awards night which sounds yeah. ridiculous because i was always hiding the cupboard when it came to drama because i was rubbish at drama i didn't understand how everybody knew what to do they would do this improvisation thing and everybody would just start talking and be in a lift with an, an elephant and a monkey and a plant. And I'd be like, I have no idea what you're all talking about. This is the weirdest thing ever. So I used to just sort of edge into the cupboard in the drama class and just sort of like sit behind it so that I would never get asked to get up and join in. That was the first year at Knightswood. And by the second year, um, I really started, the teachers are amazing, and I really started to get into it. And I won the overall drama award, which was judged um, by a guy from Lord of the Rings. 
And that was my proudest moment. That's the best thing ever. I won that and literally my whole world, that made my world. But yeah, winning the drama award for my acting was was my best moment, I think. Um, and then graduation, like, was just brilliant. Yeah. Finally, the show was amazing. Fantastic. Um, and you got to um, go in River City and then be a footballer's <laughs> wife and girlfriend. Um, and ironically, this was in 2005, the footballer's name was Andrew Murray. At the same point, there was a young Andy Murray coming through from Dunblane um, who went on to done quite all right in his uh, tennis career. Um, but just how was that experience? Yeah, well, it wasn't quite Andy Murray. Um, he's quite funny, isn't he? Um, it wasn't him. At, and do you know, I was asked about this yesterday as well. Or Sunday, I think. Um, so randomly, it was just the weirdest experience. Um, I turned up at River City. I'd been cast through a, another advert that I'd been been at, and um, I didn't get the advert for the sports shopping centre, but I did get cast as a as the wag of Andrew Murray. So basically, in the whole show, I think he was going out with um, a girl in the, the soap who was a kind of main character. But it turned out he had a, a long-term girlfriend on the side and he'd come up to play for a Scottish football team and his English girlfriend, whatever, was still down south. So they cast me as that that girlfriend that was sort of his long-term girlfriend behind the scenes. So you didn't see actually that much of me. There was just loads of texting that you saw. The conversations, yeah. I think, was, were shown on the, the show. So I was in it for, I don't know, a month or so, but I was actually only on set for about two days. Um and the first day I got there, the the guy who played Andrew Murray, who I think, if I'm not mistaken, is Sam Hewen, who's an Outlander. Oh, I right. could be totally wrong, but I think that's that's who it was. Um, and he had an English accent when I met him, but he was in character, so I had no idea. So the first time I met him, he just came up to me and went, so you're the lucky girl that gets to kiss me today. And I thought, this is the worst day of my life. Like, not only is it my acting debut, I have to kiss someone and he's like a douche like <laughs> what is this um but no it was it, it was really good fun um really enjoyed it um spent like three days just crying because I was getting dumped I think on the show oh. so um yeah I know kiss, it was a goodbye kiss and getting dumped um so yeah my eyes were red raw after about two days but I don't even think I had a name I think I was classed as like crying girl wag of Andrew Murray yeah, that was my little moment, my little stint on River City. Yeah, <laughs> still, still something to put in your CV. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you moved more into presenting after that. You know, was it was that always your aim to go into presenting, or um, did, or were you a little disappointed that you didn't do much more acting after that? Was that a personal choice? No, a hundred percent. All I wanted to do was be a presenter. That's why I joined Knightswood Secondary. Um, I had a look. It was so funny. I don't even remember what the name of the magazine was, but years ago when I was at high school, there was a magazine and you looked and you could see like, oh, Emma Bunton's out and about or so-and-so is doing this. And it told you what um, colleges they went to or universities they went to or how they became sort of who they were. And I saw that quite a lot of them went to a place called Italia Conti in London. And I thought, right, how do I get there? Because um, I want to be a presenter. I like Kat Dealey, Aunt Declan, and Kelly. They were like, that's what I wanted to do when I was at school. Um, I actually got a punishment exercise writing about them because they said you had to write about your dream job and what you wanted to do. So I did loads of research on Aunt Deck and Lily and Kelly and thinking that they were amazing and I want to do what they do. And I stood up in my, um, I think, was it social education class or something? 
and I stood up and I gave my speech to all the class as to what I wanted to do as a job and I was told to sit down and got a punishment exercise because the presenter is not a real job so I was raging and then and then I thought right I have to make this a real job then this is this is not funny and then I went to Knightswood um, and then Knightswood got me all the skills I needed to be able to audition to go to Conte in London um, and then I went there so it was always my dream to be a presenter acting singing dancing I've always done dancing I love that's probably what got me into the school it wasn't my singing and I doubt it was my acting um, I must have been passable on them but not not anywhere near as good as one of the girls in my class had been in Lima's and she played Eponine and somebody else in my class won a BAFTA so like it was not for either of those skills um, but when I went down to London my, my dream and my aim was to be a presenter. The rest I love. I love musical theatre, don't get me wrong, but it was always, always to be a presenter. Yeah, and you got your breakthrough at James TV. Um, you were there for eight years. Um, how how enjoyable and tough was it as well? Because essentially you're trying to sell things over TV. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's funny, funny because it changed names. It's now called Jim Podia. Um, so I was there and within that company for about 15 years. So I started there um, straight out of drama school. Um, I was making a showreel because I wanted to be a presenter and presenters had showreels. So I went to a company and they, they started making one for me. And then they phoned me about two days later. And I thought, oh, no, something's not right something's gone wrong they've not managed to film it or whatever and they said look we're putting it together but there's a man here who is the head presenter at James TV and he's looking for some new talent and we'd love to show him your showreel but it's not finished yet do you mind us just showing him some of the rough edit are you okay with that and I just said absolutely if it's any good if you as a company think it's decent then fire away go for it um, and then they said, do you mind us passing on your details? He'd like to speak to you. He offered me to go down and have an interview. So I went down there. I travelled on Valentine's Day on my own, sat on the train, um, spent the whole day thinking about jewellery and gemstones and thinking, how on earth am I going to pull this off? Because I know nothing about any of this. All I know that I think my birthstone is an amethyst. But other than that, which turns out was completely incorrect and it's not because I'm born in March and that's February's Bristol. Um, I think I'm um, I got down there and they just put me on the telly. They said, you'll be on for 20 minutes. You'll have someone talking in your ear. You'll have all the, um, the team in front of you and just try and talk about what you see. I was like, okay. So I tried that for 20 minutes. Um, and then two hours later, they took me off air. And they said, oh, you've got the job. I was like, okay. And they went, can you start tomorrow? So I was like, yeah, sure. Um, it turned out someone, fortunately, she's fine, but she'd had a car accident. So they ended up being short a presenter for the weekend. So I ended up staying there for about two months, lived in a bed and breakfast. My family posted me clothes because I didn't have time to go to the shops, which was awkward when they opened a box of my underwear in the office. Um, that was mortifying. But other than that, it was probably the best, best year of my life, just before my 21st birthday in March. Excellent. Thanks for saying what my birthstone is, because I'm unborn February. I had no idea. Yeah, you're an amethyst. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what chart you go for, but the normal one is that would be an amethyst. 
doesn't mean much to me personally, but yeah, I'm glad let me know anyway. So um, enjoyable, <laughs> enjoyable few years um, there, and then you went to Biz to Biz. Um, what was that one about? So that I did while I was still at um, Gems TV. That was just a wee thing I did extra on the side. Um, it was a company that set up who wanted to do um, shows for like small um, businesses, and they wanted to kind of showcase those businesses. Uh, one of them was the VMF restaurant at Aston Villa. Um, another was a wee thing for Jaguar Land Rover, testing their new Evoque. Um, just the odd thing that, well, obviously they're not small businesses, but mm-hmm. there, there were, were sort of, it was business news for local small businesses and enterprises just to kind of tell them about what's about in the industry and if they need help with different things, different companies were able to do things. So it was like a wee business report, which was just something I did once a week on the side, which was quite good fun. Um, and gave me a sort of different style of presenting doing auto cue compared to um, James TV which was just all live for five hours unscripted so it was learning a new skill for me which is why I find that quite quite interesting so it was quite good fun. Stuff. In terms of James TV, um, so I remember speaking to Ali Beg about something um, he was on, um, he was doing the shopping channel for Granada and nice. he said filling the gaps was very very difficult at times but it got his way into where he is now. Um, in terms of you, you were doing that for eight years, and there's obviously going to be times fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. sorry, my apologies. Um, fourteen years um, trying to fill gaps. How? How? I mean, was it just something that you get used to over time? I didn't see it as filling a gap, though. Really? Essentially odd, but I was to talk about what was in front of me, right? So you would have Julie, whatever, but. I would go off on tangents. I'm sort of at mid and a half the time. If I was on on a Saturday at lunchtime, I would get people to text me in with what the score was and update me. If it was a midweek game, I'd be doing the same. Um, like, we just had loads of fun. And I didn't see it as selling because they didn't put it on me like that. Right. Because if you make something that's really good, and if I do my job correctly and tell you all the attributes and everything that it has, all the pros and cons, you make up your you make up your mind if you like it or not. It's nothing to do like I'm not going to make you buy something you don't want or you don't need. I'm just going to tell you what it is, and then then I'll move on to the next thing. And there might be something that you like, but there might not. So my whole thing is, we just have a chat, we have fun, and if there's something that you see that you like that you want to buy, that's a Brucey bonus. But it wasn't drilled into me that you must sell twenty of these or five hundred of these must sell. So. I think that's probably kudos to James TV and the way it was run in that we they were passionate about the jewellery that they made and we were passionate about where where the gemstones came from, that they were natural and, and so much about them that therefore it just made my job fun. So it wasn't like a hardcore sales job, even though sales was was important for the channel to to be there, but yeah. it, it was more fun. <laughs> No, that's that's good. I mean, um, you obviously hear about those sales targets and it can drive people down. And I think um, individuals can tell when someone's trying too hard to get a sale to keep them um, to get their commission and job, or whatever. But when people, are nat- when people are natural about it, when people are natural about it and just having fun with it, no, it's that, it's that same. People will buy from people. And if the people are passionate about the product and they're not trying to push it, etc., sometimes that comes across really well. Exactly. And like, I, I would, it would be the worst thing for me if somebody bought something that they didn't want or they didn't need. Like that would really upset me. The fact that somebody might like something, that's great. It means I've done my job properly because I've told you everything about it. You've got it home and you still like it. 
So, and there was a returns policy anyway. So if anyone changed their mind, they could send it back. So it wasn't ever, you must buy this and then you're stuck with it. And then you're going to be in debt and, and hate the world. Like it was just all positive. If you like something, that's amazing. But if you don't, equally, we're going to have loads of fun. So it doesn't really matter. That's that's good, and I think that's hilarious that um, you're still trying to find out what the submarine score is whilst on there. Totally professional. <laughs> always, always, and you could. It would depend how good you were, but slyly they would have someone come into the gallery because I would always have about five million people talking in my ear, and they'd be like, "Ali, what number do you want from a coffee machine?" So I would always try to work in within my presentation the number forty-two or number fifty-two, depending on whether I wanted a hot chocolate or a, a latte from the, the vending machine. So if you watch back any of the shows, you'd be thinking, "Oh, she had a coffee then. <laughs> she had a cup of then." Well, that's one of the, the 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 little things that you you forget about from work because we're always on a working home from home environment. I know you're working in a studio, but mm. from a working from home environment, you don't have the free coffee machine, the free hot chocolate. Well, no, it wasn't free. It was 12p, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> we had a wee cup where we all put our coins in, so we, we covered each other. <laughs> but when you work the late shift and finish at two in the morning, sometimes you, you need a wee something. Nice. Did a, did a St Mun result sometimes affect on how passionate you then came with yourself? Like if St Mun beat Rangers 1-0 or Celtic 4-0, did you then go with that extra mile think, I'm in a good mood, I'm, I'm really going to sell something now? Um, I didn't ever think about selling it, but I everybody could tell if St Mun had won or St Mun had lost, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think I was pretty transparent on that. I would um, I would constantly be talking about it. I'd be like, who scored? Who let that in? Who, whose defender's fault was that? But um, yeah, because you could text in the show live so I could read it while I was presenting. I say, hold on a minute, just wait a minute, what's happened? All right, so a penalty, amazing, great. All right, well, let's have a look at this piece of jewelry and I'll find out what happens next. So it was more like that rather than, um, right, I need to sell these because I'm really annoyed. Like, it would never be like that. But yeah, it was it was just funny. I wouldn't hide it though. <laughs> I wouldn't hide it if someone had a bad performance and I was fizzing. Everybody would laugh. Everybody would know. And people would try and wind me up. People, Morton fans would text in or whoever we were playing, they would text in and try and, and wind me up. It was good fun. No, good stuff. I could just imagine that you're trying to sell watching the games going to end your time. So stoppage time for a good watch. Here's one here. <laughs> You should be on there. I'll get you. I'll get you oh, an interview. No. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll just stick to my being a Z list podcaster. Thanks very much. <laughs> no, don't be daft. Don't be daft. Um, so I mean, and then you go. Uh, um, then you had to, you had to be stint um, presenting golf um, for a mm-hmm. couple of years um, for CCI Group. Um, is that is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Absolutely. yeah, were you were you a keen golf follower before you got into that? Yeah, I used to play for the West of Scotland girls, actually. Oh, nice. um, was a captain of Runfriendly Golf Club for the girls as well. So, yeah, love golf. Absolutely still do. Right, um, so you didn't put that in, so I didn't know that. So thanks for telling us. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, massive golfer, massive fan. And um, and that's how I got the, the job to, through C3I. They worked with the RNA and they were putting the RNA output for the Open. Um, so I did the three Opens with them and then la- the latter year, um, I didn't do because I took up a role at Carnoustie Golf Links and I'd literally just taken the role within about two weeks of um, of the Open coming up. So um, I, I just thought it was 
bad timing to go and leave a new post to go and try and present there and I think they were doing some money cuts as well so I think they were changing up what their their presenting output looked like anyway so I think it worked out quite well but yeah no I absolutely love that and I I still would present golf even in the summer when football's on break I'd still do that I love it amazing yeah which was your favorite open to cover I want to say Troon because it was my first um, and also I got to play a bit of the course with their um, pro Kieran and I played the postage stamp which I don't know if you've heard of but um, it's a par three and I landed on the green which is a really really difficult one I'm told um, and it is just from from research there's two massive bunkers on either side that are like kind of coffin shapes and if you get in them you're stuffed. Um, so yeah that was that was a really good moment for me because they filmed it so I've got myself on film landing on the green and um, right in it like but oh a couple inches away from the the hole uh, on on the postage stamp so that was cool mm-hmm. but I did love um Carnoustie because I got to meet Tiger Woods which was great um as a golfing fan um and Gary Player so that was amazing mm-hmm. um and then the one in between um, I got to spend a whole car journey with a guy called Shivanka Sharma, who is a brilliant golfer, a young golfer. And it was his 21st birthday that week and he made it into the sort of final cut for the Open. So that was a really cool week as well. That was really special because I was working, um, I think I was working in Dundee on Wave FM at that point, And then I still got to do it, I think, timing wise. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I've just not given you an answer, have I? I've just told you my best bits of all three. That's Probably fine. my Probably my first because that was it was really special. Henrik yeah. Stenson on that one it was, cool. it was cool. Excellent. And you mentioned you then went on to Carnoustie. Um, that golf's also got some history because Paul Laurie won the last Open of the Millennium in um, tremendous style. Um, and it was uh, incredible what happened there. The Van der Veld with his um, trousers up in the in the, the puddles. It was absolutely hilarious. But um, in terms of um, you working there, what did that role entail? I know it's head of marketing communications, but what's the what did the role entail for those who don't really know what it is? The general dog's body, to be fair. I did everything, everything and anything. Um, from people who wanted to come and film on the course to making sure everybody knew about all the youth programmes that we have there, all the women's programmes, men's programmes, the facilities that were there, trying to make sure that everybody realises it's not a private golf club um and anyone can go anyone can visit there's a great restaurant there the rookery which was beautiful um you could go there and just have a meal you could go out a nice walk on the golf courses because it's all public land so as much as the golf courses are world class and there's three golf courses there which most people think there's only well it's actually technically four because there's like a little kids one as well which I used to spend a lot of time on in my lunch break um but there there's great courses there it's not just the championship one so you don't need to be scared about it being a really hard course yes it's tough yes the weather conditions are windy there um but there's two other courses there as well which are beautiful um and great to play so I think it's probably part of my role was making sure that people were aware of what was on offer because I I don't think a lot of people do still know they don't um and making sure that there was a great relationship with the locals as well um, and everything that's going on with the local golf clubs because there's a, a great partnership between the local golf clubs and Carnoustie. So, um, yeah, there was loads to do. Uh, I, to be fair, I probably didn't finish everything that I wanted to do there, but the Go Radio job came up and it was just one I, I couldn't turn down, unfortunately. But, um, 
but Kearney stays a beautiful place. It's a great place, a great golf course, great restaurant, some fantastic facilities. So if you ever wanted a wee day away to play golf or even just to learn, it's a great place. I'll be a caddy for someone. Listen, I, I once got about 98 on a par three course in Lytham St Anne's. So <laughs> I am definitely, I am not um, I, um, can go for that way. But if um, if you need a caddy, I'll maybe do that. <laughs> well, there is a beginner par three course there. So you can definitely have a go. And the sims are there as well. You can play in the simulators, which are brilliant fun. Yeah, I think I've done I've done a couple of simulators and stagters, but no, I'm, I'm I'm I enjoy watching the Ryder Cup. I enjoy watching the Ryder Cup. I think that's a tremendous sport. I mean, mm. even for people that probably don't have as keen an interest in golf, that's a difficult one not to get most attached with. And 2012 was um, incredible the way they fought back. Um, Europe fought back against America from a in seemingly impossible position to just turn that around was just amazing. Mm. Most definitely. It, it was great to see. I love the end um, with the post box. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, brilliant. You know, it's it's an incredible game and the fact that it can be a team sport as well. It doesn't have to just be an individual sport. I, it makes me love it even more. Maybe yeah. we want to win the golf course. I'm yeah, definitely. Golf, I don't play in the rain. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to go on a rainy day, but it'd be a nice way to um, spend a, a good sunny afternoon without question. Um, mm. Probably need to wear lots of sunblock because the amount of time people would take to get around it, for me, it would probably be a 95 just to get through 18 holes. Um, <laughs> it's all right, though. You get a nice, nice food at the end, it's fine. Yeah, oh, that definitely makes it worth it. Um, and a drink afterwards, definitely. Um, so in terms back, obviously, back, Andy's back at go here. Um, and so, you do a mixture of main, uh, mainly presenting and produ- producing. What should you prefer out the two? Presenting. Yeah. Yeah. That's because that's what I've always wanted to do. But I I love the the producing as well. When I was leaving Gems, I was ended up I was kind of the senior presenter there, so I was doing a lot of training. But with other sort of newer presenters, and I used to train the producers when they came in, so I would train them with how to work with presenters. So I would end up training up most of all the new producers when they came in, just because I, I, I guess I'd been there so long. But um, so from the producer point of view, I, I knew that well. Um, different in radio, obviously, but uh, I do love it. It's a challenge, which I think is always good. It's always good to challenge yourself and learn new skills. But from the presenting point of view, it's, it's got to be that, hasn't it, really? Yeah, definitely. And um obviously in, in, in sport and in, in football just now you're seeing Ailey Barber being the, the front girl at um, Sky Sports doing a very good job she also does a lot of golf herself as well Emma Dodds um, is doing Rangers TV and Premier Sports she's really excelling um, is that something that you want to aspire to do in the future doing mainstream um, that way or are you just happy to see go with the flow just now um, I'm loving go at the moment but I think like I'm loving St Midden TV on a Saturday I'm loving being back on the TV that's something I, I'm really passionate about and I really enjoy so things were to come up on a weekend as well or in different days that I wasn't doing go and that, that worked with what I'm doing at go and complemented it then that would be amazing but I'm, I'm just happy right now being able to, to talk about football go to football games and present so I've not really thought much further than that. Yeah, just see what happens. You've got a good job there anyway. I'm not trying to um, tout you away from there by any stretch of imagination. Um, I don't think um, 
your bosses would be too happy with me if I was trying that. <laughs> so I'll move this on. Your love for St Byrne Football Club. Um, your officer mm. Paisley girl, so it doesn't take a rocket science to say what the connection was. No. Um, my father was always a St Byrne fan, my brother, big brother. Um, and then my mum, sort of, I guess, just fell into that as well. So, yeah, my, um, my dad and my brother probably got me into it. Do you remember your first game? I don't remember who we were playing, but I remember I was wearing a stripy jumper from the sweater shop. <laughs> it was the club shop not good enough? <laughs> no, I think we'd gone for a wee hospitality day because my brother was a mascot. Uh-huh. So I got to wear a new jumper, like a nice new jumper. So... Um, that for me, it was like a really special day. So I got to wear a special jumper, a special outfit and got to see my brother on the football pitch. Um, so for me, that was probably my earliest memory that I can remember. Yeah. What's your other kind of um, first uh, memories watching the buddies? <laughs> so I usually only got to see the second half because I used to work uh, selling programmes for St Mirren oh. and then I got promoted to the programme coordinator, which meant I got to decide who stood where with how many programmes. Um, but yeah, so I used to love that. I used to stand in the corner of Love Street, sell my programmes, and then um, and then you would get a pie and you get to watch the second half of the, the game after you'd counted all the money and counted all the programmes and divvied up what was left. So my, uh, my sort of early memories were Buddies, Girls and Boys Club. I used to go to that with my brother on a Saturday before the game. So you get to play a wee bit of football. Ricky Gillis or some of the players would come along and get your photo taken with them before the match, Christmas parties and things. And then you would all sit together in the Buddies, Girls and Boys Club and you would watch um, together as a wee group of girls and guys, which some of them I'm still friends with to this day, actually, um, which is brilliant. And then, of course, it would be selling programmes and then going to eat a pie. And I remember one time I had to run all the way from the corner of Love Street. So anyone who remembers this to where the away stand was, I had to Mm. run the entire length of this before the game kicked off. And bear in mind, it was like three minutes to three because they'd run out of programmes and we were playing Rangers. And I sprinted all the way up there. And if anyone remembers, there's quite a lot of stairs to get up, running up the stairs uh, carrying all these programs carrying all this money and I was absolutely shattered and I tripped and I fell and all the pound coins from my money belt just trundled down towards all the Rangers fans walking up the steps just hundreds of pound coins like hundreds I'd sold loads of programs and they were just rolling away from me I could cry it was horrendous and I ended up getting 50 pence more than what I should have had because everyone picked up all the money and gave it back to me. How nice is that? That really is good. Yeah. I thought I was going to be in so much trouble. I thought I was going to be like £500 down. Um, but yeah, they, they picked up every pound coin, every 50p, every two pound coin. And it filled my filled my wee um, money belt. Thanks. And I ended up with 50 pence more than I, start, I should have had. So, yeah. Yes. But that, oh, was, that was a bad day. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like hearing stories. I'm not, not. I don't like hearing the fact that you had, you fell first of all, but just the the human the humanity side of um you know fans seeing what had happened and because <clears throat> they would have sensed that you would have been distraught at that point and they just wanted to lift you back up. So that's that's really nice. Um, that's that's a really good thing. Um, so apart from um tripping up in their waist hands, what's um what's your favourite kind of memories from Love Street? Um, obviously an iconic ground that's no longer there. Oh. 
I think it was when we got promotion to the championship or from the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was quite young at the time. And I just remember the man next to me, no idea who he was to this day. He just picked me up and then kissed me on the cheek. And I was like, everybody was cheating. Everybody was happy. And I was just like, I don't know who this man is. I don't know what's happening, but I think we won something. So this is great. I didn't really understand at that age. I don't think I was kind of just going with the flow and thinking, yes, and then I won. I don't think I was as into it, obviously, as I am now. But I just I just kind of probably followed my brother a wee bit. I'm just yeah, like, oh, my yeah. brother likes that. That's cool. So I want to hang out with my wee brother, so I'll go. So I probably wasn't as into it as I am, I am now. But, yeah, that was a good day. And then I ended up getting dragged into a photo, which to this day I'm really pleased that I went, whereas everybody went under the tunnel or out through the tunnel and sat in the dugout with a big sign to say that we'd got promotion or something. Um, and I, I was in that photo with a bunch of people that I'd never met before who were all at hospitality, which was was great. But <laughs> Superb. Was that the one in 2000 that you went up? Because you went up twice um, during Love Street Days from your time support. And there was 2000 where you came up for a season, went down, and then there was 05-06 when Charlie Adam was at the club that you got up and were under Gus McPherson. It would have been before, yeah. Yeah, so because the, that wasn't, 2000 season. Yeah, because 2000, I would have only been, that would have been 20 years ago. So it was before mm-hmm. that, I think. Yeah, cool. I was younger. Yeah, I vaguely remember the, that pr- that promotion season for some. I think oh five oh six was a wee bit more memorable because there was more coverage of the first division as it was then, and uh, and then a couple of years later, Love Street then goes. And but one of the last games that you had there, you beat um, Rangers one 0 live in um, Satanta as it was, and believe it or not, um, that must have been a memorable day. Do you know? I don't. I don't think I was there. I think I was in England. Uh, um, I spent so many years in England that I missed so much football. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to get back to Scotland and, and get out of what I was doing down there because I thought I want to be involved in football and I missed so much. I ended up watching Aston Villa. Aston Villa ended up kind of becoming my second team when I couldn't go. So I missed so much. That, that was one thing I sort of upset me about moving to to England to study from the age of like 17 is that I missed so much I missed birthdays and my friends I missed like Christmases I I didn't have Christmas or New Year for about well the 13 years I was at James TV like shopping telly doesn't stop so you don't you don't get time off you're not allowed to book time off then so my mum's birthday was on Christmas Eve so that was another factor in why I came back but no I, I think I missed that game well, I know I missed that game, but that was because I was studying, I think, down south. So, yeah, it wasn't wasn't good. But one if game, I'm sure you did. Anyway. Yeah, but one game, I'm sure you did come back for the League Cup final 2013. Am, am I right in saying, is there, yeah. a picture, is there a picture of you celebrating um, that day? Oh, multiple. Um, the quarterfinal, I think, against Celtic was probably semi-final. Um, oh, sorry, the semi-final against Celtic was massive. And then the actual final um, against Hearts was phenomenal. But I think out of the two, we were all probably most nervous about the Celtic game. Um, and I remember before it, I went with um, my family and, and all our kind of submitting friends and we all went and got a roll um, and some food in the morning. And then we all got the bus from Submitton Park, as it was called then, to, to Hamden. And it was just the best day the best day and then to do it all again like my brother's work in paisley had big banners of it with stevie thompson on it and 
um, wishing all the team good luck. I had my nails painted black and white. I had a big panda hat. It was just the best day. And then after we won, we all came back to St. Menon Park. And then the whole team came back to St. Menon Park and we came back with the cup. So it was just brilliant. It was so good. It was just one of the best days of my life out on the centre circle of St. Menon Park. It was just fab. Oh. And then we all went out after it and all the players went out and it lasted for like five days. We just kept going out each day, each night. Some people didn't go home, I did. But um, but it was just, it was amazing. And to be able to experience it with my family, that was that was the best bit. Yeah, because it had been nearly 26 years since the man had won a trophy. Um, and, all right, all right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not mean that disrespect. Listen, I, I'm an Aberdeen fan who went nearly two decades without a trophy, so I feel the pain <laughs> in that way. Um, so, I mean, but that's just, um, you know, a really special day, and um, you must be hoping that they could do it again. I mean, obviously, very tough draw in the quarterfinal, um, but you just never know they've got to take their eye off the ball at some point um could be tomorrow although it's going to be very tough as we say i think for st Mirren it would be amazing um rangers current form though they, they are on fire um but you never know stranger things have happened as a st Mirren fan it would be tremendous of course it would be but at the same time it's a bonus for us, I think, this season that we're in it and we're we're in it the, as far as we've got in it. I think with with the start to the season that we've had, having to play games with the last minute goalkeeper, having to cancel games and forfeit points, it's just been such a whirlwind of sort of bad news for us. I think that we're starting to get on a little bit of a run, and of course the confidence is going to be up. It's nine games unbeaten that are that are on at the moment, five wins, four draws, if I'm not mistaken. So. They're in a good. They're probably in the best position they've been in for a while. So it's coming at a good time for us. But at the same time, I, I see it as a bonus, and I'd rather make sure that if we can do both, great. But I think I'd rather just make sure we stay up and stay in the league. Yeah. So, uh, despite Tony Fitzpatrick saying top six, I think um, to be fair, if you um, stay up, that's um, got to be the first priority, and then see what happens. But your recent form has been good. Obviously, you've put Mo, my team out the cup and pro- should have beat us in the league as well. I'll be honest and say that. I mean, should have beat us that day. Um, but there's such an injustice with the 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 gate the the two games where you've been given three 0 defeats. I hope I really hope you win that appeal because it should be played in the park. It's already going to be a complicated season with the COVID things, and it might not be a fair reflection come the end, but. Could you just imagine if it goes to the last day of the season, so Murnan and Hamilton are on 33 points and it's Hamilton's goal difference is minus 33 and Samaritan's is minus 34 and it all comes down to a game that they won in um, a disciplinary here. It's not right. No, you're right. Uh, and at the moment, what, Ham- Motherwell are in fifth position, I think, two wins mm-hmm. away from St Mirren, like, to be fifth. So I think that, that part of the table is so tight right now um, there, there's a couple of wins of difference between being fifth position and being being twelfth. So I think it. Do you know what? I love Tony Fitzpatrick. It's doable to be sixth at this moment in time. I think mm-hmm. so. But as you say, to, to stay up would would be the best part. But um, if it did come down to that, we'd be scunner. Of course we would. But if those are the rules, those are the rules. Would those be the rules if it was bigger teams? I'm not so sure. Um, I, I know I need I need to be mindful, I guess, but I just think it should be played on the park, as you say. 
that there should be consistency and it should be played in the park and those rules should be set out. But um, I honestly don't think we'll win the discipline disciplinary hearing just because of the ways things seem to go for St Mirren um, and Kilmarnock at the moment. But you never know. Uh, I'll, I'm going to take it as if we get it, amazing, but I'm not counting on it at all because I think it's highly unlikely. But if it does go down to the end of it, we'll be scunnered. But hearts were scunnered last year, so I guess you just have to take it and go with it. Yeah, in England, um, Astonville and Newcastle, when that was postponed, the first thing they did was um, put a new date in. But up here, it's like straight to this one. It's just not right. But I've, um, that's Scottish football for you. Um, mm-hmm. but we'll just need to wait and see what happens. So um, I'll just I've, I'll, I've, I've loved this conversation. I'm going to round off with a few um, quick fire questions, or as we nickname them, um, slow fire. Um, so the um, first question I'm going to ask: We like our pie chat on the, um, on the Football Forums podcast. We like sure favourite pie chat. Favorite pie chat. Yeah, we like oh. pie chat. Yeah. So, okay. what's your favourite pie at the football? Steak pie. Good choice. Um, <laughs> and what's your favourite tipple? Oh, I'm boring. I don't drink. So oh, like no, you do. So you mentioned that earlier. Right, what's your favourite soft hot drink then? Hot chocolate connoisseur, though. Hot chocolate. Mm. <laughs> right, you'll go to then. Absolutely. I've got a hot chocolate machine. I like it that much. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, Christmas season's coming up. What's your favourite Christmas song? Mm. Well, probably Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas. I'll sing that all year round, to be fair. Yeah. And yeah, Christmas movie? Oh, apparently Elf's really good. I've not seen it. Um, oh, Love Actually or Home Alone? Between those two, I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry. That's a, that's a good Well, Home Alone, I would choose out there too, personally. Um, what would be um, your... I normally ask people what, the favorite, what their death row meal would be, but because Christmas is coming up, what's your perfect three, um, three courses for Christmas dinner? Oh... I love soup, which sounds really boring, but an amazing soup would be good to start. Um, main course for Christmas dinner, just traditional. Mm-hmm. Turkey, well, traditional for the UK, probably turkey, turkey dinner. I love stuffing. Um, York, Yorkshire's, can you have that on Christmas Day? Yeah, Yorkshire's? just your meal. <laughs> yeah. I think well, you're that. having some in ours next week. <laughs> yeah. Veg, love veg, love parsnips, random. Mm. Yes, loads of good roasted veg, sweet gravy, Yorkshire's stuffing, extra stuffing. Yeah. And then what did you say? Dessert. Dessert, yeah. That's my favourite thing. So hard to choose favourite dessert. I have everything, honestly. Dessert is my favourite thing. Um, Christmas dessert. What do I want Christmas Day? Do you know, once I got this phenomenal, it's called a snow bomb. Um, no idea. I'm not trying to advertise Martin Spencer's, but that's where it was no. from. But I'm sure Lidl or Aldi do something too. Um, and it was, I ate it on TV because I was presenting on Christmas Day. It was like a 16 hour shift. So I was on air covered in for everybody else's Christmas Day in the UK and in the US. And I had my entire Christmas dinner on the telly. And I had this massive white snow bomb, it was called. And it was, I can't even remember, it was like sponge and whatever it was. It was just phenomenal. So that, if I could ever find that again. Nice. And how special is Christmas going to be knowing that you're back up? It's going to be amazing. Thanks to Nicola. It means I think I'm allowed to see my family. So yeah. cannot wait. 
to hug my niece and nephew, which has been so I've my, my baby niece. Um, she's only like five months old. So she's born in July in the middle of this pandemic. So to be able to actually see her would be amazing to give my mom and dad a hug, a birthday hug from mom because it's her birthday on yeah. Christmas Eve. So being with people, be, being with my family will be the best part. Just doing nothing, eating and hanging out would be amazing. And yeah, then that, football. Yeah, that'll, that'll be good, <laughs> obviously. Um, what's your, been your favourite St Burn game? We might have already touched on it, but what's your favourite St Burn game of all time? Oh, that's hard. Um... Winning the cup final 2013 has to be. Yeah, please. Yeah. Has to be. Right. Um, so, St. staying up or Scotland beating England at Wembley? Which would you choose out of two? Oh, come on. <laughs> oh. oh, no, this is hard. Yeah. I want Scotland to win. I want Scotland to be amazing. Yeah. But I can't have St Mirren going down. <laughs> oh, St Mirren staying up. Oh. St Mirren have got another chance of coming back up. Scotland might not get a chance of beating England in a major tournament at Wembley again. <laughs> we, we didn't win the last time, but no, I'll, t- I'll take that answer. I know you haven't had any um, parties because of um, restrictions, but when mm-hmm. when go when you um, when the Go Radio team will go for a, a night out. Who do you think, apart from yourself, who's going to be first on the dance floor? Ooh. Shaban. Or do you just mean from the football show? I was mean, well, anyone within Go Radio, but I was mean the football show, yeah. Okay, so from everyone in Go Radio, I'd say Shaban from the Sunday show. Right. Um, love her. And from the football show, if we're just looking at Paul Barry, Rob and Cy, probably be me and then I'd probably drag up who would who'd be most wing, willing probably Sai would yeah. probably be most willing I think I think Barry would tell me to jump um Rob would probably be dancing Rob might actually be doing his dancing on his own anyway probably be do you know what I mean I can imagine Rob just quietly do bopping but not wanting anyone to see him yeah I think his dancing's great actually but I think he said after people were commenting on the Twitter thing he said oh I'm not going to dance it again so that's what makes me think I wouldn't be able to get up, him up too quickly and I Paul thought... Paul knows everybody so he'd be chatting so I probably wouldn't get him away from yeah. anyone so <laughs> I, I'll go with I and who's buying the first round obviously you wouldn't because you'll be the you'll not be drinking <laughs> oh gosh I think any of them would I think any of them would um maybe Barry yeah, he's got the most money, I think, at a lot of them. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I think he's quite. Um, he's the kind of person I can imagine would um, get people organised. If we were going to do something, I would imagine be quite organised and be like, right, this is what's happening. Right, we're doing this. Right, what's happening next? Mm-hmm. Right, I can imagine he's quite. He'd be quite um, organised. Yeah, and I'll, I'll round off. Um, you knew this was coming. Name your best St. Bernard eleven from your lifetime. So this is really hard, but I'm gonna go with Hladkin goals because I have to. Katie Shaughnessy and McWhorter, Dummett, 
McLean, McGinn, McGowan, so Gowser, Teal, Thompson and Goncalves, and Subs, Samson, Lambert, Levetti, Morgan and Goodwin. It's tough. Well, not, not everyone support um, puts in uh, substitutes, so um, thanks very much for, for going. Oh, that's because I didn't want to leave them out. And I would also probably put um, Shuggy Murray on the bench as well, just because he's a star. And who's your manager? Um, oh, well, I can't have Goody because he's on the bench, so Jack Ross. Yeah, that's a good choice. Well, thanks very much for your time, Ali. Um, enjoy your, your Christmas and New Year, whatever you're up to, and all the best for Go Radio for the, the season, and hopefully see this biggie bus down in London. Oh, thank you so much. I only get you on, John. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm planning going down there, so um, I'll look out for you, definitely. Tremendous. Oh, well, thank you so much. I've absolutely loved it. It's been a ball. I've had so much fun, so definitely yeah. anytime. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> really kind. Uh, Take care, Ali. Thank you.